Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Show. If you ever wanted to get into commercial property but don't know how to, this is the show for you. We're going to take you through live market updates, how to put a deal together, what the experts say about commercial property and real life investor journeys and how they became financially free through commercial property. Sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Mistakes commercial property investors make or more likely what mistakes new commercial property investors make. So if you are a new commercial property investor and you're thinking of getting into the commercial property space, but you don't know what you don't know, here are some of the top five mistakes that commercial property investors make when they buy their first deal and how you can avoid it. So you're starting out in commercial property. It's looking all great and people are telling all about the cash flow and you're seeing brand name tenants like Subway, KFC, Maccas, childcare centers, petrol stations, medical centers, self-storage. You're seeing all these bright, shiny objects and you're going, wow, the amount of cash flow I am going to get. It's going to be fantastic. I'm going to be able to retire and I'm buying my first property. So where do you start and how do you avoid those mistakes that could cost you literally tens of thousands of dollars? Or how do you look into the future and know that the property you're buying is going to give you long-term cash flow? And do you sacrifice a little bit of cash flow and yield up front for longevity? So what do you want to know, what you should know, and how do you avoid those costly mistakes? So today in this podcast, I'm going to take you through the top five mistakes that I see clients, students, and also novice investors make in the commercial property market. Now, I've been educating for over five years now and been a buyer's agent for the last four years of those five years. And I've done countless deals and literally have done almost half a billion dollars worth of commercial property deals for my clients. And each and every week, I still talk people out of property deals. I still get them to look at something else a little less risky. I still assess risk profiles for our clients, and I still try to match them up with the best type of deals for what they are looking for in the long term. So when I look at it, most of the time, I try to talk them out of five major mistakes that they make, or I don't think they're mistakes as more as five things they could avoid to make the transaction a lot more faster and smoother. So the first thing I have to say is if you're a first-time investor, don't wait to line up all your ducks because I see so many first-time investors that come to me now and then they're not ready to buy or they're procrastinating the market and then they come to me in six or nine months time and what happens then is that the yield has compressed and they can no longer get into that same market and we have to look at a different market and or then they procrastinate and three years down the track they haven't done anything and they've lost out on all this lost rent and if they had bought three years ago or even six months ago they would have got a much better return so the number one thing that's going to be costly to you is time Time is of the essence. So do not procrastinate if you want to be in the commercial property space. Because remember, in 2012, we got into Sydney at 8%. That's a yield that's never to be seen again. Now, there are people who bought into areas of Brisbane only two years ago who are in yields that's never going to be seen again, or returns or growth that they're going to get right now that you missed out on had you entered the market a little bit earlier. Even if people bought six months ago are still reaping that reward. 
So if you spend too much time working out what you want, what you need, and you don't get professional help, and you spend all this time trying to line up the entity, speak to the accountant, try to line up your finances, trying to line up your strategy, try to work out which area you want to invest in, what you end up with is that you're going to end up missing out on some really good deals. So my suggestion for you is get the preliminary right. So have a brief understanding of entities. So I might put it into a trust. I might put it into my personal name or I might put it into a company. Understand that. Speak to a finance broker. And then speak, reach out to someone like me or another buyer's agent or another educator. Have a chat about what direction you want to take, what kind of properties. Have a look in the market. You know, all in all, you might spend a day or two days in a week doing that. And then get, if you decide to go down the path yourself, invest in some education, understand it and make a plan, make a strategy, work out the criteria and execute. If you're going to engage a buyer's agent, speak to them, make a strategy. So these are the criteria I'm looking for. This is the return. Work out roughly what I'm going to get in positive cash flow and, and execute. The faster you execute, the more rewards you are going to reap. So that's the number one costly mistake to, re- to avoid. Number two, unrealistic expectations. So the amount of times that I meet investors who are starting out who says, oh, yes, I want growth, I want cash flow, I want to be in a metro area, and I want an 8 10% return, and I want upside potential, Well, and I want it to be under a million dollars. Well, that is a unicorn you cannot find. So instead of spending all your time looking for something that's unrealistic, be realistic of what's in the market. So talk to people, in agents, talk to three agents in an area you want to invest in. Say, let's say you're going to invest in Queensland. Talk to three agents. If you are wanting to invest in Victoria, talk to three agents locally. Then that gives you a bit of an idea. Talk to a buyer's agent. Talk to an educator. Talk to not even not colleagues that haven't invested in commercial property. Talk to colleagues who have invested in commercial property. Find out what the most likely return is in that market and be realistic. Prepare to go to areas where the returns are to meet your cash flow, not only budget, but cash flow aim and goals. So for example, right now in Brisbane, it's about a 6.5% yield, possibly to early sixes, around 6% for industrial properties. Now you're going to ask yourself, do you want to invest in industrial or perhaps you could invest in a retail shop front, or you could invest in an office space with a professional tenant and get close to seven, seven and a half percent. That might actually tick the box for your cash flow. Or alternatively, if you want to get seven or seven and a half, you should be going to areas that's further out, areas that are fringe suburbs or areas that are regional, starting to be regional like Toowoombas or Ipswiches, uh, that will give you that higher yield. Or If you are chasing that extreme yield of 9%, you'll have to go to regional Queensland and prepare to go there and balance it out. So understand what the risk is in that area, and that may involve you potentially going to visit that area or talking to people who live in that area locally. Number three, to really spend some time analyzing and working out cash flow versus growth, risk versus security. So I see people on either side of the spectrum a lot in the way in my work. So they're either at the side where they want ultimate security 
And with that, they pay for it by having a very low yield property. So they might buy medical in a metro area, which might give them 4 to 5% yield. But they're happy with that because they're very, very conservative. Or they might go the other way and go, I want to get extreme cash flow and I'll go to extreme risk. So they might go to a mining town, get 14% in terms of return and reap the rewards of it. But it's in a high risk area and it's the only property they have in their portfolio, which means that they open themselves up to in case there's vacancies. So ultimately, you've got to look at that balance of growth versus cash flow, risk versus security, and make a decision what you're comfortable with yourself. So you can see that by looking at case studies. The way, the best way I work with my clients is to get them to look at case studies. So I will show them a range from property yielding at 5% to a property yielding at 10% and get them to look at the characteristics of the properties, get them to look at the tenant, get them to look at the area, get them to spend some time doing some research on the property. And then from there, we can work out exactly what would work for them. So is it middle of the road? Should we look at a 7% in a metro area? Should we then look at a fringe area? Where can we, where is, do we draw that circle? So becoming real realistic, but developing laser focus strategy. That's the most important thing. I work a lot with my clients on that because when you enter into a market, you don't know what you don't know. And when you start out in the commercial space, you have no idea. Someone can give you a property at 8% and tell you that's a great deal. And you would believe them because it looks like a great deal on the surface. But when you do a little bit of research, and I've seen this time and time again, that someone had bought commercial property before me, they've come to me and I was like, you could have got half a percent more or a whole percentage more in terms of the yield in that area. And the conversation you had with the agent will be different from the way we had it with the agent. So it is also about you working at your comfortability level. And the best way to do that is case studies. If you don't have any case studies ready, go online to real commercial or commercial real estate, find some properties in a different ranges. So in regional areas, in metro areas that have different types of tenants, get the information memorandum, read through it, compare it, see what you like, what you don't like, and then you start to get a clearer picture of exactly where you want to sit in that spectrum. So for me, you can have a property between 4% to 14% depending on risk and security, but I like to be somewhere between a 6 to a 9% because that's middle of the road, that gives you a balance, that can give you cash flow without too much risk as well. So, And then between 6 and 9%, you need to define whereabouts you would like in terms of that cash flow and growth. And we spend a lot of time with our clients understanding what they're looking for and moving forward with them to help them get that particular type of property they look they need. But for you, the one thing is not making a decision on where you want to sit in the middle road. You could make the costly mistake of buying a property in an area and paying too much for it. So to avoid overpaying, you need to do your research on the cash flow versus growth, risk versus security. And you need to do that through spending some time and you can just spend one or two evenings looking at and doing some research and looking at some case studies. And that will actually move you forward and give you a clearer understanding and help you avoid the mistake of overpaying for a property. Because I do see it time and time again, people do overpay for a property in the commercial space when they're a newbie. And the only way to recover from that is to hold that property in the long term for three to five years to be able to recover your growth and cash flow as well. And sometimes that may never recover if it's in an area that goes down in the next three to five years. So to avoid that, 
make sure you do your homework on that. But don't let analysis paralysis get you because if analysis paralysis gets you, you'll never move forward. And we go back to point number one and you end up missing out on the deal when you have to uh, move forward rather than trying to line up all your ducks. Number four, when you're in a property, so you make an offer. So your job, once you see a property, is not to line up all the ducks, is to get it to understanding the property, saying, yes, I'm comfortable with it, making an offer. Because you never know what the where the vendor sits until you make an offer. And once you make an offer, you will be ready to go. You'll be able to understand if it's a doable deal or not and waste any more time on it or not at, or spend a lot more time on it. So if you make an offer and the vendor says, no, I'm holding firm on my price and his price makes a yield too low for you, then you just simply move on, which means you don't have to spend the next three nights working on this property to find out that the vendor is not going to do the deal or get emotionally involved because it's so easy as a first-time purchaser to get emotional involved in the deal because you've spent so much time on it the best way to move forward is not to spend that much time on it to find out if the vendor is going to meet you at the price point and the conditions if they are then you can uh, spend a lot more time on it during the offer process Um, so once your property is accepted make sure you do your due diligence and the due diligence is you need to match up what's on paper to what is going to happen in real life so that's looking at the tenant looking at the property and also looking at the compliance issues of that property as well as looking into the future to see what potentially could happen to the property three or five years down the track. Of course, this means assessing the lease and checking out the tenant history, looking at what the tenant has done in fit out, looking at what uh, the tenant has improved in the property and whether their business fits into the property, whether it's growing or not growing. And checking out the property to see if there's any leaks, any f- potential issues, looking at the compliance in terms of electricals, plumbing, etc. So for you, once you get an under due diligence clause, that is the most important step forward for you as a newbie investor. So get to offer, get the co- property under contract so it's yours for you to do lots and lots of research on. And you can spend a lot of time doing research on it once the property is yours. If you spend time doing research on the property before you make an offer, the property could be gone by the time you go to it. So make sure that you do do your research once it's under under contract. If you need help, reach out to a specialist who can help you. We've got a community. Uh, Reach out to myself, do some education, or get a consultant to look over to make sure that you're on the right path. So that's number four. Because if you don't do your due diligence right, it could potentially cost you tens of thousands of dollars, not now, but later on down the track. And finally, number five. Number five is about you as a newbie investor being able to negotiate better. So sometimes you can push too hard on a deal being a newbie investor and really piss the agent off and the vendor off and you're going to get nowhere with a deal and the deal falls over. Sometimes you can ask for too little and end up costing you a lot once you've settled on the property. So finding that balance is about getting expert advice but also about understanding what comes with the property so let's for example you're buying a property that is set and forget the property needs to be presented to you neat and tidy so the tenant has a established history the tenant has paid rent on time all the outgoings are paid up to date and 
There's nothing outstanding. The property is in very neat condition. It's got good refurbishments, uh, good fit out. It's got no leaks, no water damage. It's got no termite issues. And it's just generally in good shape for you to hold it for the next three to five years without having any capital costs. The air conditioning is working properly. It's been fixed and it's been, uh, has routine inspections, etc., etc. So that is what you're paying for in a set and forget because you are paying a slight premium for a set and forget property. So don't ever look at a set and forget property and say, hey, three years ago, they paid 50% less for this property. So it's not worth it. Well, at the moment, it's got a tenant. It's going to give you income. It's neat and tidy. That's what they're charging for. So it's Essentially, as you're buying set and forget, that is picking the ripe fruit from the tree. And that is where uh, you are going to reap the benefits from day one, where you get positive cash flow. Now, if you are buying a uplift property, so a property that you want that has uplift potential, then you are going to need to realize that the property will not come in neat and tidy. It will have short leases. It will need a tidy up. There may be some roof damage. There may be some leaks. There may also be some issues with the property um, in terms of uh, some plumbing or electricals that needed to be fixed, or your tenant may be wanting a fit out or a new air conditioning done. That's all part of an uplift property. You can't take that list of problems to the vendor and say, hey, I want you to fix it because he is selling you an uplift property. And as part of an uplift property, then you have to take on the responsibility of those issues. So you're taking on someone's headache and fixing them because ultimately in the back end, by fixing them, you make it a set and forget property and you sell it at a premium. So don't mix the two of them together because if you mix the two of them together, you're going to either ask for too much or you're going to ask for not enough and you're going to lose out because if you get an uplift property and then you push for all of these things to be fixed, then the vendor might as well pull out from that deal, sell it to someone else who understands what the deal is about or fix it up themselves and sell it as a set and forget. If you get a set and forget property and you don't push for a leaky roof to be fixed or you don't push for an air conditioning to be fixed, then you're already paying a premium. You're paying a premium on top of a premium. So that's where you got to look out for. So make sure that you are clear Again, this comes back to number three of understanding your cash flow versus growth, your risk versus security, because it's all wrapped up about doing uh, those case studies. Once you understand that, then you can make sure that you not only secure the deal through the offer and acceptance phase, that you've done the due diligence, that through the final negotiation before you go unconditional and ready for settlement, that you would negotiate appropriately for the property type you're buying and also making sure you've got enough money to be able to really bring the property to full potential in the future. So hopefully that's been really helpful for you in terms of working out what you want to get in, out of your first commercial property purchase. Hopefully that's going to help you to avoid the mistakes. There are lots of ins and outs in the commercial property space and commercial property is a totally different investing strategy to to residential. So if you need a hand, please reach out to me at helentarrant.com or helen at commercialpropertycashflow.com.au and I look forward to going through a detailed strategy session with you and working out what exactly you need in a commercial property. So until next time, bye for now. You've been listening to Commercial Property Investor Show. Tune in to the next episode to find out how you too can replace your work income with passive income through commercial property.